Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode one of the Screen Share Podcast. My name is Keaton Weiss. I'm here with my friend of, what, 18 years now, Justin Van Voris. Who's counting anymore? Well, when we first met, we used to make movie lists that was like a big hobby of ours that we would do. We'd go get a slice of pizza, write down our favorite movies in a certain category, and then we would go see like a one o'clock matinee every Saturday. And so that was a little tradition we had going. And so we were really podcasting before there was podcasting. We just didn't have a recorder with us. But if we had been recording those conversations, we could have been on the cutting edge of this new phenomenon. I mean, what kind of losers are that? I mean, just two people in the corner of a pizzeria eating slices of pizza and writing down lists and with no audience. We were just sharing it with each other, right? What's your top 10 Martin Scorsese? People like, you know, the fucking blue collar workers in the background eating their fucking turkey sandwiches looking at us like sharing lists at each other. I think number seven is Gangs of New York. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that wouldn't even... That, Gangs of New York would not crack my top 15 Scorsese movies. No, yeah, no, it wouldn't either. That's a, that's a that's a debate for another episode. But yeah, no, it wouldn't be either. But yeah, what a very bizarre tradition. <laughs> and then we would bring, like, our friends in to, yeah, we'd like, have do guests. the list We'd have well. everything. We should have started yeah. a Joe's Pizza movie podcast. We could have done it Sean, right there. I remember our friend Sean was the funniest because I don't think he really grasped the concept of it because we would say, all right, let's pick our top 10... Uh, you know, best Steven Spielberg movies. And he'd be like, all right, great. We would have had to have seen them, right? <laughs> like, yes. That's, that's usually how you generally pick your favorite. Well, you know, we ended up getting jobs writing list articles uh, for Screen Rants, online publication. And we would have to write lists based on a lot of movies that we hadn't seen. It would be like, okay, uh, whatever. Top 10 horror remakes... Uh, according to Rotten Tomatoes or according to IMDb. Um, And so on this site that we have uh, right now, our list articles will be more subjective. It'll be based on what we think of the actual movie. So we'll have to stick to what we actually see. So you got a job writing for Screen Rant. You ended up hooking me up. Uh, I wrote a sample article. I got the gig too. And then a few months later, we both left. I quit and you got fired. <laughs> so, and we ba- we basically left for the same reason. It's just that I initiated my departure, whereas they initiated yours, kind of. Right. Um, what happened was, I, so they, they pay very little. We're not going to get into exact numbers. We're probably obligated not to. I don't know if we signed any non-disclosure or whatever. We signed right. something. I don't really pay attention before I read yeah whatever I just signed it <laughs> um, but uh, they pay very little money article. yeah sign it just <laughs> yeah, it. Right, right, give me the money <laughs> yeah whatever well sure fine um, what are yeah, you gonna do it. sue me you, you pay nothing you sue me for what yeah. um, they pay very little they pay what uh, like so the, the way they had it set up was there was a pay period every two weeks and the more articles you wrote the more you got paid per article so if you wrote like two articles a day which was a lot two articles a day you would make enough money to the point where you could kind of consider this a part-time job like it paid what like McDonald's would pay if you did two articles a day if you do less than two articles a day you're pretty much making like you know six dollars an hour the way it works out right um so anyway they ended up getting rid of that bonus incentive structure so now everybody was just getting paid like the base level and not only that but they were getting much pickier about the kind of lists we can write and what movies had to be on the list for what reasons it got to be a point where it was just like hours and hours of work for very little money 
And so that's why I quit. Well, it was a fun job while it lasted. To, to piggyback what Off Keaton said is that, uh, to sum it up, is that they felt that um, people were kind of taking advantage of that incentive program right, by writing a lot of lists because if they write a lot of lists, they actually make more money. But then they saw that people were writing a lot of lists, and in doing so, the quality of the lists went down the tubes. And there are, by the way, just some really poorly written lists that are published on that site that, that look like a grade schooler wrote them and you could tell that maybe they just kind of rushed out these lists. So they were like, we want you, we're going to eliminate that program and we're just going to want you to focus on the lists at hand, but we're not going to pay you more money. And so towards the middle of the summer, uh, and like all like the feedback, if they ever gave feedback on mine, they were always like really positive and stuff like that. And, um, but yeah, towards the middle of the summer, yeah, they started to get a little bit, a little bit pickier. About stuff. I had a a thing called uh, like the strangest uh, duos, and like she was just like really like stringent on like yes, but what is what what does what does number five? Why how is number five more stranger than number six? I'm like oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what makes uh, there has to be like levels the the metrics the data what goes exactly into they number started five making you argue with them yeah right exactly what what goes into the metrics and the data of making sure number five is more stranger than number number six and stuff like that and so finally you know they're they're the basically the conversation. With, when it came to my departure, the, I'll sum it up like this. I mean, like, it's the, 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 the best way to explain the conversation was like, you know, we want, you know, uh, we want you to do, <laughs> we want you to do more work. And I'm like, well, you know, is there going to be more money? And their response is, you know, I don't think this is a very good fit. <laughs> right. Know? They didn't even answer your so, question. They went to ask if there was going to be more money for more work. They were like, you know what? This is not, you're not the right fit for us. Yeah, we don't. You know, we we think we should part ways. But anyways, but now that out of that birthed uh, screen share, which um, is going to be better. <laughs> right, exactly. We're coming for them, and we're not angry at all. Yeah, right. We're not bitter so, at yeah, all. Yeah. So no, this. Uh, so these articles are going to be fun. They're going to be positive. And have a great reverence for film. Yes. Well, you have an encyclopedic knowledge of movies, and I've been a big movie fan my whole life. That's one of the reasons why we hit it off when we were in high school. Um, So we've been friends for a while. Like I said, we got started sort of like talking about movies all the time. And uh, so we know a lot about we know a lot about good movies. We've tried to make good movies. That hasn't worked out. Well, that's harder. (laughs) (laughs) That's harder. (laughs) Exactly. Commenting on them is easier. But yeah, so we're going to be doing a a lot of talking about that, opining on our opinions, um, which actually I think those those two words actually mean the same thing. But they do. um, See, this is why they wanted higher quality writing. Right, right, exactly. (laughs) And you weren't willing to give it to them for more than the base pay. Right. But listen, these articles, they're going to be good. You're going to enjoy them. (laughs) Um, And that's all you need to know. All right, so we're going to talk a little bit about the gangster genre, I guess, because as we're launching this, it is the beginning of October, which means that The Many Saints of Newark, The Sopranos prequel, the long-anticipated Sopranos prequel film, has just come out. By the time any of you guys hear this, we will have seen that, and we'll post some content about that movie uh, as well. Uh, But now we'll just talk about the gangster genre a little bit, and we're going to be talking about the horror genre, too, in some episodes, because... 
it's Halloween season, and so we, we have to do that as well. And we've already written some stuff um, about a couple of different horror films that are up on the site. So you could check out ScreenshareMedia.com and check us out on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter as well. Um, all right, so Justin, you wanted to do a little gangster movie chat, so why don't you kick this off here? Well, given that uh, Many Saints in Newark is coming out, it's a good time. There hasn't really been like a really good gangster movie in like a very long time. I've always I've always been interested in gangster movies because if you look at like the history of the gangster movie, the gangster movie uh, has been quite an acclaimed genre of film. If you look at like some of like the lists of like what are the greatest films ever made in history, a uh, there are abundance of gangster movies on the list, and uh, I've always been interested in in like why uh, that is. But if you look at like some of the best gangster movies, uh, like uh, the original Scarface, there was a heyday. There used to be a heyday of the, like the crime movie back in like the '40s and '50s, with Jimmy Cagney and. Um, uh, like White Heat, um, and then in the 30s you had the original Scarface, and these were very, very popular films um, and very influential films because as time went on, uh, you had movies like The Godfather uh, and Goodfellas kind of reinventing uh, the gangster genre, and Goodfellas and The Godfather and are you know considered some of the greatest films uh, of all time and i've always been curious like what is it about like crime crime movies gangster movies specifically we're not talking about just like cops and robbers we're talking about the mob and the mafia what is it that makes them so compelling uh, on screen so i think we should probably start with like a few of our favorites um you want to go first well, you know, it's interesting. I mean, you talk about <clears throat> what makes this genre such a classic genre. And we're also, in the first few weeks of this project launch, going to be talking about horror cinema as well. And I think the same... Th they have a similar sort of appeal, in a way. Gangster movies and horror movies. Which is that they allow the audience to have this sort of larger-than-life, dangerous experience knowing they're not actually going to get hurt because... It's just a movie, right? Yeah. And the world of the mob is this larger-than-life world that actually does exist in real life. Yeah. Right? It's just this world that most people are fortunate enough never to have to interact with, directly at least. Um, and so I think that is... I think that explains why a lot of people are drawn to both of these different genres. Um in terms of, like, some of my favorite gangster movies, I mean, I think Goodfellas is really the gold standard for me in terms of that genre. Um, but I do want to talk a little bit about what makes The Sopranos stand out because, and we'll talk about this more when we talk about The Many Saints of Newark, um, but of all of the things that made The Sopranos such a miraculous show, and there are a ton of them, I mean, it's a waste of time to go through it. We know the writing was fantastic, the acting was fantastic. James Gandolfini as Tony Soprano, arguably the most iconic television character of all time. Um, but one of the things that really makes it stand out, one of the things I really think made it a major hit that I don't hear talked about a lot, is that it was not a period piece. It took place in the here and now from whatever it was, 1999 to 2007. And most gangster movies and TV shows 
are, if not period pieces themselves, at least evocative of a bygone era. And The Sopranos wasn't. The Sopranos takes place right here and right now, which gives it a very immediate quality and and really um, makes the audience feel like they could run into these guys at any time, you know? Whereas a lot of the gangster genre has this sort of under glass quality about it the material is at arm's length from us because a lot of them take place decades before they were actually released um and even like the stuff that came out in the 30s and 40s those weren't period pieces but those took place almost 100 years ago already right and so i think that was a big part of what made the sopranos uh such a great show and then goodfellas just as a film um to me, that's just that's a movie I can watch over and over again. Um, and so, so those are the two that, that that really stand out. I think that the what you're talking about with the Sopranos it not being a period piece is, is there is kind of a thing I think at that time where people forgot about the mafia and they thought it was kind of something that wasn't around anymore. Like the heyday was during the periods that are depicted in those films, like uh, Godfather and Goodfellas, and as you know, in like the 90s, there wasn't much after like Gotti died, there wasn't much about the mafia anymore. And so The Sopranos was an interesting kind of reminder that it is still uh, around. It's still around. It's uh, there. Some of the traditions are the same. Uh, it just has a, a kind of a brand new look. And yeah. And it's, 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 it's a it's interesting to, to kind of what at the heart of the sopranos is that it's it's a it's not really like goodfellas at all it's just a family drama that kind of has a mafia backdrop to it i think even david chase used to say that like i think during the first season when like viewers would complain that there's like not enough like gunfire or violence he would like and he would there's too much talking he would just add more talking instead of like like gunfire and stuff to show that that was not the main the main goal behind the show was doing another kind of like a Goodfellas TV show. He wanted to kind of do uh, a family drama with just using the mafia as the backdrop. But yeah, it was it was kind of you know taking that idea that we're so used to from these period films that you mentioned, like Goodfellas and Casino and Godfather, and putting it into the modern context and seeing how that works uh, in the world that we know now. And so, yeah, I think that's, I think you're right about that. That's why it was so good is that uh, it was not a period piece. Yeah. And uh, Tony Soprano actually makes that very point in the pilot episode. One of the first uh, conversations, in fact, the first conversation that he has with Melfi, his therapist, is he, he says something like, you know, I always wondered what it was like to be in on the ground floor, or I have anxiety about the fact that I wasn't in on the ground floor. And what he means when he says that is that he's he's becoming a mob boss after the Gotti era, after the golden age mm-hmm. of what it meant to be a mobster, right? Back when there was this sort of mythology around that world. He missed all that because he's too young for that. So he gets to be a mob boss, but in this era where being a mob boss means something much different and much less romanticized uh, than it was decades prior. And that is a source of his anxiety is that, I'm not on the ground floor of this. Like I should have lived a few decades earlier, right? He feels like he's missed out on that. And that's a major source 
of the mental turmoil that he goes through. Um, and actually the tagline, one of the taglines that HBO used when you talked about it being a family drama was if one family won't kill him, the other one will. Meaning, yeah. you know, he's, he's, he is the patriarch of both his crime family and his actual family. And they're the source of equal stress. I also find it interesting is that how much have the gangster movies influenced the actual mafia and our feelings towards the mafia because the movies have romanticized them, especially like the the Godfather and stuff like that, have romanticized the mafia and it's kind of like changed per, uh, people's perceptions of the mafia. It's almost cool, and um, you, uh, I think a lot of people want to be like the gangsters in the movie when in real life it's a lot more of a, a serious situation. It's a lot more of a scarier situation. Uh, but I, I definitely think that there is uh, some influence that the that the the movies have had uh, on uh, the public and uh, and the whatever mafia exists now. Yeah, and The Sopranos plays with that as well. Like I, it was either season one or season two. When they're visiting Christopher in the hospital and Big Pussy says to Paulie something like, we should give him a Mo Green special. And Paulie yeah. doesn't know what he's talking about. And he says back to him, he says, in one, they put a bullet in Mo Green's eye. In other, he doesn't even call it the Godfather one. He just says, in yeah. one. Yeah. They know what each other talking about because this is like their Shakespeare. Like yeah. the Godfather films are just a part of their whole culture. Um, you know, and, and so even these guys, these North Jersey gangsters, right? That was the other brilliant thing about that show is they didn't set it in New York like every other mob movie. These are the Jersey gangsters. It's all like this is a knockoff of the real thing. And the New York family throughout the show says, man, that they're a glorified crew over there in Jersey. Like the New York yeah. families look down on them. And so, I mean, that's what I mean. The show was just so brilliant in so many ways. And but even just like the the whole premise that this takes place after the golden age of the mafia across the Hudson River in North Jersey. Like, these guys are sort of more loserly guys than the New York guys, right? And they feel insecure about that. Um, and they feel insecure about who they are, um, which is why they make references to the movies all the time. And Tony is seeing a psychiatrist, right? They're like these existentially tortured mobsters, which just yeah. makes for fantastic TV. And you're not a huge fan of The Godfather. Correct? Well, I mean, look, <laughs> you're going to discredit me on the first episode here by me <laughs> having to shit on The Godfather. No, look, honestly, I was. It, that's a kind of. I think of The Godfather the way I think of a band like The Who. Like, I respect The Who. I recognize The Who was a great band, but I just never got into their music. And that's the way I feel like. That's the way I feel about that film. Is like. Getting into it to me is so hard because it has that sort of operatic, romantic, larger-than-life tone. It feels like the material is sort of at an arm's length, and I just don't get into it as well. At, while totally recognizing the craft that's gone in, I mean, the opening scene is just fantastic. That monologue and the camera pans back, and it's the day of his daughter's wedding, and the guy's asking him to get revenge on someone who wronged. Right? I mean, so, like, it's obviously a great film, but... I prefer the immediacy of the Scorsese stuff. Like, to me, what the miracle about Scorsese as a filmmaker, and this really applies to Goodfellas as well, and even Casino, to a slightly lesser extent, is that his movies are, at the same time, hyper-stylized, yet ultra-realistic. Like, 
it's so stylized with the snap zooms and the camera crane swoops and the jump cuts and all that stuff. Yet at the same time, it feels so real. It feels like when they're when they're sitting around the table and Pesci starts fucking with them about, oh, so I'm funny to you? I'm a clown? What? You feel like you're sitting right there with them, right? There's yeah. just like you feel like you're in the movie with them. There's such a voyeuristic quality. Um, voyeuristic is probably not the right word because that means outside looking in. But it's the same thing. You feel like you're there in the room watching Fly these characters. The you, right, right, exactly. That's there you go. That's the ticket. Much better. See, we can edit each other as we go. Right. But yeah, that, exactly. that that quality is is so there in his mob movies, even to a to a much lesser extent, I would say in The Irishman as well. But still, it 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 feels real. The Godfather feels like a movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whereas Goodfellas feels like you're there with the characters. And so it's not that I don't it's not that I would rate The Godfather poorly. It's just a movie I'm not compelled to rewatch over and over again the way some people can just watch that movie over and over. Some people can recite every line. I'm not I'm not one of them. Yeah, no. Well, I I, I could see what you're saying because uh, there really is two schools between those films, the Scorsese films and the uh, the Coppola Godfather films. But the Coppola, so Godfather is just really just a better version of the gangster movies that had come before it yeah, in exactly. the 1950s. Yeah, exactly. Good way of putting it. Yeah. And but the thing about the Godfather is that it just kind of um, it just kind of envelops you. The story, personally for me. The whole opening scene is like a half hour. It like the whole movie just kind of just draws you in. It kind of just drops you in to this story. And then it becomes a little bit episodic uh, as you like just get to know this world, again to know the characters and stuff like that. And the story just kind of just pulls you, pulls you right in. And um, I think, I think personally, The Godfather for me is endlessly watchable. I, I could see where you say where moments of it definitely do feel like more of a movie and there's even some moments where it uh a lot of the mafia the humor and 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 stuff like that feels a bit forced but there are also just some absolutely beautiful performances that it with the, the way they talk does feel very very real and when you know i don't even know if you'll reference what i'm talking about now but like when uh um Vito, Marlon Brando finds out that, you know, Sonny has been killed, James Caan, and his reaction to that. I mean, that is just an amazing scene where he just, just, I, I oh, can't yeah. oh, do of it. Of course, no, I, I know. But it's just, it's yeah. just, it's just, but it's like, there are, I mean, but yeah, it does feel like, you know, at a movie sometimes, like a movie sometimes. Godfather 2, you know, a lot of people feel that's even better than the first one. Uh, I don't. It's more of an epic uh, film. Uh, very highly regarded. But then what's interesting is that then they made Godfather 3, and then Godfather 3 came out the same year as Goodfellas. And Godfather 3 was still in more of the old-school way of doing gangster movies, and Goodfellas was the new way. And that's partially, I think, why... um, Godfather Three uh, gets shit on so much because it 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 came at you immediately would compare it to the other big movie that year, which was Goodfellas, which was so new and so visceral and entirely different way of storytelling. It's interesting about Goodfellas. I always think about how like like De Niro, he's top build. He's obviously the bigger star, but he barely has a character in that movie. He's almost like a uh, 
you know, he uh, he's almost like a little bit player yeah, in that yeah. movie. He's always only called in when he's like needed and stuff. He's like really just a, a large background player. Yeah, it's almost like uh, like a that. Nick Carraway in The Great Gatsby. Like, yeah, he's the star of the movie kind of, but he really just kind of more observes what's going on than okay, actually a, drives the story. That's a nice little literary reference. Oh, you read books. You read The Great Gatsby. Well, that, that's one of the only books I've ever read cover to cover. I, I'm a very slow reader. It's tough for me to read novels. Yeah. But that's a, that's a small one. And I like it. Right. But, you know, so Goodfellas is great. Um, and, I mean, personally, for me, it, of all time, it's uh, Casino. Just because I think, I think while I always admit that Goodfellas is the better film, if we're comparing the two big, and I don't really, I mean, Irishman is, is more of a slowed down version because it's kind of representing the fact that it's about old people. But the the really kinetic Scorsese duo, Goodfellas and Casino, I think Casino, while Goodfellas might be the better movie, Casino is just so entertaining. And um, that's, I think, the one that I enjoy personally watching the most. And I think specifically be- between those those scenes between, you know, De Niro and Pesci, it's just it's just so good. It's just so good. Yeah, you know, I I would actually say, I mean, if we're talking about like just objectively reviewing them, I, I think you're right. Um, I think Casino is is probably a, a notch below Goodfellas in terms of just objectively rating them. But I can totally get what you're saying, and I've actually I do think Casino may even have more replay value. Um, and it's tough to put a finger on exactly why. I think it might just be that interplay between. Uh, De Niro and Joe Pesci. I mean, there's the big scene in the middle of the desert where you oh, know, yeah. Pesci carries him a new asshole, which is great. But even even the stuff leading up to that, the tension where they're all driving through the they're driving through the car, and you can see the bright lights of the city, and you can see Pesci very excited to be there. And what's his name? A uh, guy's name is what was his name? Rothschild. The uh uh what what does uh. De Niro? Yeah, what's his, the character's it's name? Rothstein. Rothstein. Sam Rothstein. Rothschild. <laughs> Anti-Semitic <close>. statement. <laughs> yes, but he's the Rothschild. Right. Rothstein. He's he's saying, now, be careful. Don't step on anybody's toes. You got to take it easy out here. And Pesci's like, yeah, no problem. But you could see him looking at the lights. You could see him yeah, just yeah. getting so tempted by everything around him. And you know that this is not going to go <laughs> the way they are saying it, they, that, that, they, that, that they needed to go. And so there's just, yeah, great foreshadowing. The James Woods character is just this bonkers, crazy performance. Um, yeah, no, it's a fantastically, fantastically entertaining movie. The storytelling of it, like Goodfellas, is that there's really not much of a, a, a story. I think there's maybe a little bit more story in Casino than there is in Goodfellas. It's this episodic thing, and it's just almost just like this documentary about gangster life with scenes that just kind of don't really add to the plot. They're just kind of these like little mini stories. And then as time goes on and on, then kind of a story starts to develop. That's why the movie is so long. They're both like nearly three hour movies, Um, uh, especially Casino. Um, But it just, uh, the way I, the same thing I said about uh, Godfather, and to I think more of an extent this, is just that it just draws you in with all these different stories and characters and stuff like that. You want to see more of these little little stories that they tell you, these little incidents, like, and usually it's involving the Joe Pesci character, Nicky Santoro, um, 
and then you kind of fall into uh, the actual plot uh, of the movie, but that's not until way later. Um, and I just think that that is um, that's absolutely fantastic and so entertaining. Um, but so we talked about like the the big ones that everybody thinks about the Coppola films. It's really just those two, The Godfather. But then of course you had the Scorsese movies. Um, do we? What are our favorite non Scorsese? or Coppola gangster movies? Well, for me, there is one that you can put an asterisk next to because it's not necessarily about the Italian mob, although the Italian mob is in it. And this came out either a year before or the same year as Goodfellas as well. And that's a movie about the Irish mob called State of Grace with Gary Oldman and Sean Penn, who are both just fantastic in, in the movie. There's a book called The Westies, which is on my shelf right back here. I could look it up right now if I wanted to. Um, that the movie uh, that the movie is, is sort of based uh, loosely based on, and The Westies is basically like um, almost like a like a nonfiction novel. They're telling a true story, but they're telling it as a novel. And this is about the Irish mob in New York and how they are not respecting their sort of Hell's Kitchen boundaries. Basically, they made a deal with the five families that okay they can operate between whatever it is 42nd and 59th street west of you know 7th avenue and they got to give the rest of the city to the five families and of course you know they don't respect that they they're you know referred to as the cowboys right because there's not that same sort of hierarchy amongst the irish gangsters as there are you know in the you know five new york mob families and so there is a sort of war between the italians and the irish mob and it's a fantastically entertaining movie gary oldman is just a that is a powerhouse performance that he gives in that movie i mean he is just such a force of nature in that film he's incredible in that movie that's one of his best roles and he has a lot of great roles but that is a movie that you should definitely seek out sean penn gary oldman ed harris is in it as well john c Riley has a nice little role um really really fun endlessly entertaining uh film that one i haven't seen i have to see that oh you've one. never seen state of grace oh no. man you have to see that i got it on dvd i learned it to you all right, all right, that's good. Uh, I would say that. For that's the thing, me, but that, I mean, that's why you like. What's one that you love that nobody's seen? That like, you're a big movie right. buff. That's right up your alley. You love all those actors. You haven't seen it. Like nobody's seen it. And I think one of the reasons people haven't seen it is because it did come out. It's either the year of or the year before. It's the Goodfellas same year. It's 1990. Yeah, same which year. Is the same year as yeah. Godfather Three and Goodfellas. Yeah, so it got overshadowed by those two blockbuster films, obviously. But it's, 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 it's fantastic. Okay, I have to check that out. I would say for me uh, is really just two, two other really good ones, uh, both Pacino. And one is Donnie Brasco. Yep, excellent. With him and uh, Johnny Depp, um, which is a great film. But honestly, one of the most – I'm not – and I think I I wrote about this as a screen rant – Back in my screen ran days, is that one of the? Yeah, no, terrible. Uh, one of them is um, I, I've never been a, a Scarface fan. Uh, I've always felt that Scarface. You know, I've seen it. Uh, obviously, I wasn't alive when it came out, but I've I didn't see it until maybe about a little less than ten years ago. But my whole life, 
I've only known Scarface from the parodies. Because yeah, right, exactly. Pacino gives this just really over-the-top performance that while the movie has been acclaimed, it's a, it's a very influential film. You know, rappers have it on in their huge mansions 24-7. <laughs> They're always referencing it. Um, I've only seen, like, the uh, the caricatures of the Pacino performance, the fact that he, you know, he's got that, like— uh, of course, fake tan skin. He's using this over-the-top Cuban accent. The uh, the cocaine, the say hello to my little friend. That's that's all I knew for my entire life. Oh, I know and where you're I going actually, with this now. And then I actually watched that movie, and you know I couldn't take it seriously because all I see is the parody. And there's even a scene where, and I couldn't believe this was actually in the movie, because I thought this was one of the parodies. Is that he's you know he's having so much cocaine in that movie there actually is a scene where he has all this cocaine yeah. and he has like a little like cocaine mustache <laughs> cocaine on his nose <laughs> like this is like straight up parody uh and but it was the actual film and so besides that i i didn't really i was not drawn into that movie which is weird it was written by oliver stone it's a remake of uh, the uh, 1933 uh, movie as well, uh, but they updated it, and Brian De Palma directed it, and uh, I just uh, I could never get into that movie. Uh, it was not uh, it was it's kind of boring at times, and I don't know I, I just didn't grasp it the way others did. But yeah, I don't dig it about either. about 10 12 years later. De Palma and Pacino reteamed to make a movie about another Latin gangster uh, called Carlito's Way, which is based on a book. And I love Carlito's Way. I mean, I don't think you can get better as a movie than Carlito's Way, which is this uh, movie about a reformed gangster who um, – tries to you know he's released from prison and he's trying to move on with his life but you know the sins of the past so to speak his former life is trying to drag him back in and he's trying to fight to get out of it and it doesn't it doesn't work out for him and he, every time he tries to get out it just ends up making it worse for himself uh sean penn is also in that movie and uh while this guy's trying to reform himself, that people only see him as a criminal, and they kind of force him to do criminal things, and he gets drawn in deeper and deeper, and he can't escape from it, even though he's tried to reform. And at the the last quarter of the film is perhaps one of the most suspenseful sequences ever put onto film where he's trying to get out. He's trying to take a, a train somewhere. He's got to meet his girlfriend, Penelope Ann Miller, at Grand Central. But he's first, he's got to pick up his money first um, that he's going to use so they could rebuild their life. And they go, um, he's got to go pick the money up at his club first. But meanwhile, he knows that um, the Italian mafia knows that he was involved with a murder of one of their members. And he gets to the club. The Italian mafia is there, and they force him to, like, sit down with him, and he's, like, trying to get out. He's trying to get out. He's trying to get his money and get out of the club. And they, like, know that he had something to do uh, with the murder of, like, their brother or their father or something like that. And um, he eventually tries to sneak out of the of the uh, of the club and they're playing the, this is where De Palma was great with music and with pacing and with tension and uh, the Lady Marmalade 
uh, by Patti LaBelle is playing. And, like, the momentum of the music, uh, the, the, pro, the propulsiveness uh, of the beat uh, is mirrored in the way uh, that the camera moves uh, through, the, um, through the club, catch, capturing the suspense, the tension. Um, it is, it's just an unbelievable sequence, and it leads to this great long chase sequence uh, through Grand Central Station uh, aboard, a tr- aboard a train and then into Grand Central. It is just such an amazing sequence. It is an endlessly entertaining film, but it's not as highly regarded as, uh, as uh, Scarface. Um, it's kind of uh, – between the two of them, it's kind of uh, forgotten. Yeah, no, that's a great pick. Um, actually, both of those are, are great picks. And uh, De Palma is just a fantastic, like, popcorn filmmaker. I mean, that guy can make an entertaining, suspenseful movie. We didn't talk about The Untouchables at all, because that's not one of my favorites, but that's still a really solid movie. Um, I think that's a very entertaining movie also. And yeah, he's just he really is great at entertaining the audience. I share your feelings about Scarface. It plays like self-parody at this point. You know, maybe we just saw it too late before. Yeah. The, you know, if we saw it before the parodies came out, but yeah, right. it does. It just it it plays as a joke. Um, but no, um, Carlito's way excellent. Donnie Brasco excellent as well. Um, and the thing about Donnie Brasco is they really they they really put in a very poetic ending to that movie, where the Pacino character gets called in the middle of the night. And he knows he's about to go get whacked. And so he kisses his wife and makes a sign of the cross and leaves. Um, because we know that when he told Johnny Depp earlier in the movie that when you get a call like that, that means your number's up. Um, and so just a great sort of like bittersweet melancholy ending. In real life, his character did not suffer that fate, actually. Yeah. Um, but they, they changed that for the movie, which just as a poetic choice just really worked so those are two great movies yeah excellent you hear a gunshot i think after he closes the door i think it cuts to black and you hear a gunshot but in real life on the way to that meeting he was intercepted by the fbi or something like that yeah and he uh, he he did not yeah yeah but makes her better it's one of the more tragic really sad uh gangster movies Well, that's a great performance by uh, both those lead actors. But Pacino, the thing that's great about his performance in that is that he is this mob guy. He's this hardened criminal. Yet he's very innocent when it comes to his attitude towards Donnie Brasco. You know, he he, he really trusts that character. Yeah. In ways that mob guys are not supposed to trust each other under normal circumstances. Forget about if, like, people are chirping that this guy might be an FBI informant like there's a very sort of innocent relationship he has with the Depp character and it just mm-hmm. it works so well and so, that's yeah, what makes it even movies. tragic when you find when of course well we know the audience knows when he finds out that he's kind of betrayed yeah and yeah. it's you very really it's very bad sad. for him you really feel bad for both characters because but you know he brought him into this world and you know that, uh, of course, in the movie's version of events, that he's going to get his comeuppance for bringing this guy into the world, into the uh, the mafia world. And that's what happens in the movie. And then also the Depp character who, like, the last shot, the last scene, he's, like, given, like, a like a certificate, like a five, it's like a $500 bonus. Like, it's like, here, here's a good job with a coupon. 
<laughs> and, exactly, uh, yeah. and then like and then i think in the last shot is like his eyes because like he's gone through this entire ordeal which i think was like years of his life i think in real life it was even longer than the movie oh yeah 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 but the fact that what he's seen what he joey pistone that's the character's name yeah joe pistone yeah um the fact that he had to experience all this and in the end it was you know uh not for nothing but he's he's not really rewarded it's no one will ever know about it because it was a secret thing and um uh you know, he gets a $500 bonus and a slap on the back, and that's it. And, you know, his friend, because he made a real true friend in Lefty, uh, Al Pacino's character, and he knew that his betrayal, you know, most likely have gotten um, him killed. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's once again, crime does not pay. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but what's the, uh, what's the worst gangster movie you've ever seen? Oh, um, I don't, I couldn't even tell you. Um, at the moment, why do you have one? Well, I think, well, before that, I, I should mention that just a couple of runners up uh, to really good movies is that I think that a very underrated film is American Gangster with Denzel and Russell Crowe. I think that's a very underrated movie. Um, uh, but uh, Once Upon a Time in America, which is like the four-hour Sergio, Sergio Leone movie um, but I think the worst so but those are fine those are fine movies but I think the worst gangster movie that we should just talk a little about this is that John Travolta Gotti movie that, oh, that came I mean, out that didn't even occur to me but <laughs> it came out a few years ago where it's just this um, the incomprehensible uh, film that John Travolta like took very very seriously and he even like I think really you never know if like Travolta like really thinks something is quality because he's made a lot of bad movies that he has like seemingly been proud of. But this Gotti film, which had been in the works for a very long time, that like even Pesci was going to be in at one point and Pacino, came out in like the absolute cheapest version possible, um, and uh, is absolutely um, absolutely terrible. Yeah, that was awful. I started watching that. I didn't watch the whole thing. I knew it was supposedly really bad, so it was on some free streaming thing, and so I I watched it. But yeah, obviously that's uh, it 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 doesn't get much worse than that. Uh, I'm just looking through now that you asked me, uh, just just to get some inspiration for that question. I think the Get Carter remake with uh, Sylvester Stallone was was quite bad. Um, I also think, let's see, what else is bad here on this list? Uh, I thought the, uh, Public Enemies Michael Mann movie was not terrible, but very underwhelming. Just really kind of a letdown. Uh, and even Black Mass, where Johnny Depp plays Whitey Bulger. Again, not terrible, but not anything memorable. Yeah. It's, uh, the thing about it is with some of these gangster movies is that I think that Scorsese has kind of ruined us for gangster movies because i think that when people watch a gangster movie we're looking for more of that uh that kinetic visceral energy that he brought in his couple films and in movies since like black mass got a lot of really great reviews really good praise but it's a slower film 
it's not really it's they even like cut out like a big like murder scene that takes place at the end of the film it's more about it's more character driven it's not about the stuff that we're more accustomed to see which is why a lot of people were disappointed when they went to see the irishman and saw that that was not really like the the scorsese gangster movies that we had seen before it was more about characters more about old age and looking back and stuff like that and it wasn't like the movies that he had made in the past and uh so i think that when we want to see a gangster movie uh where we're we're looking for what scorsese did but uh we don't get that but that's also why the sopranos is so good because the sopranos is also about character and it's its own Uh, thing it doesn't feel like a knockoff see a lot of gangster movies feel like they're trying to live up to that scorsese brand you talk about yeah black mass that that's basically an inferior version of the departed um not that they're the same story but the jack nicholson character in the departed is based on whitey bulger who is the subject of black mass so it's just it feels like a knockoff it feels like it feels like you know generic cereal you know what i mean uh as opposed to the name brand stuff yeah i would say uh, if we're talking also underrated gangster movies is a really wonderful gangster movie that I don't think you've seen is Bugsy with uh, Warren Beatty. No, I've never seen that. Uh, Barry Levinson uh, film. Really good. More of a, uh, which is about uh, Bugsy Siegel, who was the inspiration for Mo Green, who got shot in the eye. That's what happened to Bugsy Siegel. But he actually uh, built Las Vegas, essentially. And that more actually focuses on like more romantic aspects uh, between him and his uh, girlfriend and wife in that film. But uh, it's an absolutely, uh, it's more of a Hollywood gangster movie, but uh, it's, a, it's a really, really good film uh, that I do recommend. All right, well, we have covered a lot in this hour, so we're going to wrap our first episode of the show. This will be on YouTube, so we're going to have a YouTube channel, a podcast feed, and the website, ScreenshareMedia.com, where you can go and check out written uh, rants, reviews, and retrospectives. That's our brand. And if you did not like this podcast, keep listening, because it'll get better. It'll get better. (laughs) It can only get better from here. Right, don't Don't give give up. up. But we thank you for listening uh, and that we shared our screen thoughts. Right. That was so, uh, Justin, I was about to call you Van Voris because that's what I call you in my life, but I got to call you by the first name for this. Justin came up with the name screen share, which I thought was a good idea, especially now in the Zoom era. You know, everybody knows that term. That's sort of part of the lexicon. So. Uh, that's the name of our project, and we thank you very much for listening to our debut episode. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, su- subscribe to the podcast, and like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. See you guys next time. Thank you. Goodbye.